0: a blessed Sunday. Enjoy. Thanks Conrad. Awesome. It's been a really good morning. It's been a good morning. Thanks Claudine for leading us in worship and uh, for Conrad for just keeping us up to date with everything that we need to know. Hey, um, I I need to make a confession to you all. Always an interesting way to start a sermon, isn't it? Uh, no the confession is no chocolate so no, that's that's one of them the confession is that I find prayer really hard so I don't know about you but I find worship particularly with a band quite easy on a Sunday morning or even during the week you know I just have to look up to those mountains and I know that there is someone so much bigger holding our world together and that helps me worship I even find you know reading the Bible reasonably easy in the sense that I I'm really inspired by those stories, you know, of those saints who have gone before us, or, or I really like wrestling with some of the challenges about how it means to li- what it looks like to live a Christian life, but I find prayer really hard. And sometimes, sometimes I'm my own worst enemy at it. You know, I approach God like he's a vending machine with my big list of requests that he needs to kind of sort out. Other times, I, I just feel like God is is very distant and detached. Like My prayers just sort of float out into space and all I hear is sort of an empty echo in return. Other times I just get really distracted and I'm supposed to be praying and my focus shifts to what I'm gonna have for lunch or the jobs that I have to do or the headlines on stuff and anything other than praying, right? And I just find prayer a battle sometimes. Now, that may not be the case for you. You may be a super spiritual Christian. You might find prayer really easy, very natural. You might have rhythms of prayer that just kind of ripple through your day. You have a, a very clear sense of God's presence and power with you. And that's amazing. And I'm, I'm really encouraged by that. But I just find it tough. And, and down through the centuries, famous, famous Christians have really struggled with prayer. For example, Mother Teresa. The Albanian nun who dedicated her life to the poor in the slums of Kolkata. She experienced during the years of her life significant seasons of dryness where where she she felt no connection with God. So in 1979, three months before she was acknowledged uh, with the Nobel Peace Prize, this is what she wrote to a friend. She wrote, God has a very special love for you, but as for me, the silence and the emptiness is so great. I look and do not see. I listen and do not hear. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you, you want to pray, you, you, you want to commune with God, but you've really struggled for that connection. You, fear an em- you feel an emptiness. You just hear a, a, an empty hollow. Well, if that is you, I want to encourage you to not give up. Because many Christians struggle with prayer. Many Christians know that prayer is important and and they want to commune with God, but the challenge is finding a rhythm or knowing sometimes how and what to pray. There was a survey taken in America a few years back, and it revealed that 80% of Christians think that prayer is very important, but only 55% of Christians pray every day. As I looked at those numbers, I sort of thought, you know, It seems like prayer is in the important but not essential category. Kind of like car maintenance, or changing your passwords, or descaling the dishwasher. They're, like, they're important things. We know they're important, but we don't really do them as regularly as, as we should. But I wonder if prayer is actually more than just important. I wonder if prayer is, is essential. It is our lifeline to the divine. A Franciscan monk called Padre Pio put it like this. He said, prayer is the oxygen of the soul. Prayer is what we need to breathe. It is the the medium, the connection that we have to communicate and commune with God. And I guess Jesus was the greatest example of prayer, the greatest role model that we could look to. If you read through the record of his life on earth, you'll see that he prayed A lot. Jesus prayed when he had significant events, like his baptism. He prayed when he was facing big decisions, like, for example, when he was selecting his his close followers. He often prayed before and after he performed miracles, after he healed people, before he walked on the water, before he raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus prayed in times of anguish and torment. He prayed uh, just before he was betrayed and abandoned by his friends, and he prayed when he was Hanging on a cross. And Jesus prayed publicly and privately. In fact, he regularly withdrew from the crush of the crowds, and it seems like his private prayer sustained him during the pressures of his public life. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a question around this. I'm curious why did Jesus need to pray so much? I mean, Jesus was the Son of God, right? He was. He was close. He was tight. In fact, he put it like this. On one occasion, Jesus said, The Father, God, is in me, and I am in the Father. He even made it more explicit. He said, The Father and I are one. So if God the Father and Jesus the Son have this very close relationship, this intimate connection, this, I guess, this communion where they, where they literally knew each other's thoughts, then why did Jesus bother to pray? Surely he would be better off using his limited time to, to go and heal the sick or, or to teach his followers or to correct the hypocrites. Why did he bother to pray? I think the fact that Jesus prayed a lot indicates that not only was it important, but for Jesus, prayer was essential. It was, it was the fostering of his connection, his communication with his Father. And Jesus gave us great examples of of how and what to pray. So, for example, um, if you are stuck for words, he said, why don't you pray the Lord's Prayer? And I actually think it would be quite nice for us to pray this together out loud. So I'm going to read it. You're welcome to read it out loud with me if you want to. But this is what Jesus taught his followers how to pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. You know what I love about that is that is a, a powerful reminder of God's plans and his provisions for us every day. Or look at what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was facing huge challenges, the prospect of significant suffering and sorrow. This is what he prayed. Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And you know, chances are when you are facing a tough time, you've turned to prayer. Maybe it's a diagnosis, or a relational conflict, challenges at work, a tragic accident, or even just just the pressure of everyday life. Those are the times that we turn to prayer. According to Jesus' example, the bad and the good times are opportunities for prayer. Every moment of our day is an invitation to enjoy connection with God. So this morning, I'm pretty excited to, to interview a couple of people uh, who are going to share some of their thoughts, some of their experiences on prayer. So if you want to, you're most welcome to an, uh, welcome Nolene and Ian up to the stage with me. I'll get things set up while they come on up. Here they come. Exciting. Coming up, Nolene. Any seat? Except that far away one. <laughs> it's for you. Yep. Sweet. Cool. Okay. So we've got Nolene and Ian here, just in case you weren't sure who's who. And um, again, I just want to make it very clear that um, Ian and Nolene <laughs> and myself, we're not experts on prayer. Okay. We're not like super saints, you know, spending 23 hours a day in prayer or anything like that, okay? We're just fairly regular, normal people, I would say. I mean, we'll find out at the end of this interview <laughs> if we're normal or not. But I think what you're trying to do, and we're very grateful that you're willing to share this with us, is that you're just simply trying to live in love like Jesus. And, and part of that is by wrestling with prayer. And so what we're going to offer this morning is not a perfect, foolproof plan for the ultimate prayer, it's just simply steps that we're trying to take. Is that okay? Thank you. Okay, so, phew, bit of a caveat there, bit of a disclaimer. So Ian, tell us a wee bit about you first, for those of you who don't know um, yourself, family, background, etc. Yeah.
1: Well, I grew up in a little place called Wyndham. Some of you never heard of it, yeah, way down beyond Matara, Gore, down that area. Um, I was... After I left school, I became a motor mechanic, did my apprenticeship in Wyndham, moved into Invercargill, started a business doing automatic transmissions in cars, and did that for the best part of 20 years before I hurt my back and couldn't lift those things anymore. Um, It was an old injury, basically, that I had re-injured, and so I gave that up, and I finished up in the tertiary sector. Um, worked for the polytech for ten years, and then Mito for another seventeen years, looking after apprentices. Yeah. As um, family-wise, I married when I was twenty-five, and I adopted a little girl, her little girl, my wife's little girl, who was kind of unwanted by those who should have been taking responsibility. I gave her a home. Um, I gave her a dad. Um, We carried on and had three more children, but we were a family that was dogged by events, tragedies, and one thing and another. Penny died when she was only 10 weeks old. Wade died in a plane crash when he was 21. Ten years between those, right in the middle between those, um, there was a little niece of ours that I was supposed to pick up on this particular day and take home, but I put her off to the weekend, and that night she was abducted and she was murdered. So we had a lot of things. Mm. And um, my youngest was a difficult ch- child and uh, afterwards she kind of um, went off to do life her way and um, my wife followed her basically to look after, help her look after with, with, uh, with her little boy and uh, I found myself at the end of all of that um, completely alone so if you wanted to score me on all of that you would give me probably a score of one because that little girl that I adopted when she was just a baby is the family that I have now. That's all, mm. yeah. After that, after being on my own for a few years in Avakarkala, I moved up here. Really, it was an opportunity just to start a life afresh. I, I suppose, I guess I was a little bit broken. I didn't quite feel quite like that. I was just wanting to draw a line under everything that had happened down there. And i moved to Alexandra. I had a really good job. Um, and I started Life Refresh here. And after several years, I met one Kim over here, and um, Kim and I have become absolutely best mates. Yeah. Now, so
0: yeah. Okay, cool. That's uh, <laughs> your life compressed into a nutshell, which is pretty phenomenal. Nolyn, tell us a wee bit about you.
2: Okay. Oh, so I had a really good childhood, and um, I grew up in the far north. Uh, Northland and then moved down to the Waikato and my family were farmers my dad had been a migrant from England so he was we were quite poor and um, my first job when I was at high school was collecting eggs from 10,000 chickens for the weekend (laughs) Uh, when I left high school I then became a travel agent with um, AA travel in Hamilton and that's one of my passions is people, the land and travel. And then uh, I decided that I would like to find a mate for my life and went old time dancing and that handsome red head in the corner caught yeah. my eye. Yeah.
0: Can he still dance though? <laughs> he
2: can. Nice. Yeah, he's a very good dancer. Excellent. And um, so we married in 1984 we have five married children, 13 grandchildren, and um, we farm here in Alexandra. So, cool. well, yeah, thank you.
0: Eclectic. So let's talk about prayer, right? First up, do you find it easy or hard? Nolene?
2: Yeah, hard. Lots of distractions.
1: Okay. Yeah. Ian, what about you? Sometimes easy, sometimes very hard. Okay. Yeah. If I can tell another story, even just this week, um, Kim and I were praying at home. Um, We like to pray together um, before we go to bed at nights. um, But on this particular night, um, it was I started. Kim had finished praying. I started, and uh, and I lost it, and the words just would not come. Kim and I have been working through some fairly big things this last wee while. Um, But it was just like a big black hand came over me, was suppressing me, and I just could not go on at all. And in that, I felt like somebody saying to me, ha, 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 I've got you just exactly where I want you. You're going to be sitting up in front of church on Sunday morning like Jackie talking about prayer, and you know absolutely nothing about it. And that's what I felt. And I had to break through. I didn't break through that night. I went to bed that night feeling very, very down. But in the the morning I got up and I found a note of Kim's lying on the desk and I thought she was winding me up uh, about trusting God and he's already got it. Um, It wasn't anything to do with her trying to wind me up. It was just her notes from the day before. Yeah, and God had it in hand. We can trust him and we go on even if we cannot mouth the words.
0: So through some of those challenges that you've faced, right like prayer has obviously been something that at times you've had to both persevere through, push through, break through. Have you been able to see, I guess, benefits to that, if you've been able to look back on perhaps your life and and some of those things? No,
2: Well, I had um, two prayers that I thought were extremely important that God answered. So the first one was, um, so I came from a non-believing home and um, I had three children and then suddenly my open brethren neighbours were knocking on my door, taking my two little children to Sunday school. And so we started to um, fellowship with them, I guess would be the word we use. And then at the same time, two by two, I had other visitors arriving at my door with another version of the scriptures. And this started to confuse me. Hmm. So then, okay, I decided, yes, there was a God. So um, I was accountable, but then Who's this Jesus? Was he a God as well? Is he God? And so I just prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And so that prayer was something constant for about um, six months because at that point um, Anthony wasn't a believer. And so I was really struggling. And um, as a sideline, 12 years after I became a believer, he became a believer. Mm. So um, after six months, one day, and I use the Bible because I feel everyone's got their own take on the word. And if you, um, yeah, everyone's got a different opinion or they'll say it a bit differently and how i was brought up was different, so I translate it. So I used to just pray and say, God, you've got to show me because I want to know when I'm praying, that I'm praying to Jesus, that he's God, nothing less. And then all of a sudden, and we've spoken today, uh, Jesus said to Philip, Philip, don't you know me? If you know the Father, you've seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Mm. And I just cried. I cried for about three hours that night, but I was free. I was like the woman at the well. I wasn't thirsty anymore.
1: Cool. Ian,
0: a similar story for you or something different?
1: Yeah, yeah. We have many stories. I had to just pick one. Um, But there was a time when it was just after Kim and I got married when we were faced with redundancy. There was a decline at the time, and the number of apprentices dropped right off, and I had to either move or lose my, lose my job, um, and we were offered Nelson. We went up to Nelson over Christmas to have a look to see whether or not that might suit us, and as we were up there, of course this was going to be a big move for us, but while we were up there, we were asking God to show us whether this was right or whether this was wrong. It was the year that Nelson... Uh, had all of those um, floods and downpours and slips and everything else and we went up there and everything was a great big mess. The real estate agents weren't much interested in us anyway. Um, And then on the last night before we came home, we were wandering around behind the the Christchurch Cathedral and we were praying and we were talking and I said to Kim, I said, I think that we're not coming here. And she said, I think we're not coming here as well. And we went away home afterwards, knowing that there were repercussions from this decision, but we felt like this is what God was going to was telling us and so we came home I ring on the first day back at work in the new year, I told my boss that we weren't going. she says, well that's you gone then isn't it you know there's no redundancy you've turned down a job a job offer um, actually they didn't they changed their mind and found another place for us. but do you know it was only um, less than Two months after that, that Kim was diagnosed with her first cancer here in New Zealand. And we realised then that if we had gone to Nelson, one, she probably would have missed altogether that test that showed it up, that mammogram that showed it up. And two, if we had gone and if they had detected, we would have been in an area where we knew nobody, there was no support, the whole thing would have been a total disaster. So sometimes we've just got to listen to God, even though he doesn't voice it out loud, and, so, and know that what we're feeling inside that he's telling us is true. Mm. Can do one yeah, sure.
2: Yeah, and the, the second one of my story that I think is quite uh, important was Anthony and I were looking at moving up to central Otago, mm. and we went and actually signed up with an agent on a property in Cromwell. And... We'd have been prior to um, with another fellow who had misrepresented the property, but the second agent sort of showed us the boundaries, and we said, oh, this is great. Anyway, so we signed it up, no clauses. And we always pray before we do any kind of transaction, um, just, just to be safe. We want to know that God's on board with what our, the decision that we've made the right choice. Well, the agents ended up having a fight because they said the first agent was the one that should... Take the um, commission because yeah, yeah. they introduced the property and so that agent got us to sign a whole lot of clauses that was fine the day the deposit was to go down uh, Anthony and I were praying again and um, we just wanted to make sure it was the right decision and um, as we looked up the road there was the surveyor and so we went up to him, we just talked to him and we said you know we've asked God to make sure this is the right property for us which is a bold thing to say to an absolute stranger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I said, can you just really confirm where the paper road goes because that would have affected the building site? And uh, he said, no problem at all. And he told us and it would have gone right through the middle of the only building site on the property. And it, it worked out that he himself was a Christian. Hmm. So as a result, we were able to, because of those clauses and the fight with the agents, pull out that day. And lo and behold, we were then shown the brass knocker And so whereas the Cromwell property would have been all about um, maybe our sailfish once, suddenly the Brass Knocker is now running a men's camp Hmm. and um, is offering so many more opportunities for God's Word to be shared. Thanks. That's
0: cool. Super cool. So, look, without being experts on prayer, Mm -hmm. what are some practices that you do that have helped you you over the years looking back? Ian?
1: Well... One, I've told you already that Kim and I pray at night time together, Um, but we also realise that, or I feel that it's totally important um, that we do it on our own as well. It's those times on our own that we really break through with God. One of the things I like to do was to go up those 43 steps on the other side of the Manihekeia River Bridge, and up the up the pathway to that little seat at the top, and I sit up there, and I look out over over out towards the hawkins and that 's one of my quiet places where I like to sit and uh, and, and pray, yeah another thing that we we did we do sometimes, and we had a special thing uh, occasion one time when we had to make a, a big decision, um, and it was an important decision, and it had to do with kim, some of kim 's treatment and we went away up into the into the hills beyond Alexandra, out behind there. And, um, and we sat up there and we separated when we got up there. We each went our own way and we spent about an hour or two up there. And, of course, you know where that idea comes from, Jesus going up into the hills to pray. And we sat up there and we prayed and then we came down. After a while, we didn't have the answer to the dilemma, um, but we felt good about the fact that we had actually shared it with God in such an intense way and on Monday morning, Kim rang the doctors back uh, with some questions that she still had. Uh, the decision was made, and the decision proved to be exactly the right one. It had to be. Looking back on it now, um, there was no other way. You know, it had to happen that way. Yeah. So, yeah, we'd, we've we practised some of those things. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Nolene, what's sort of your rhythms or practices?
2: Mm, well, I don't do a Jesus and get up early while it's still dark to pray. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're a night owl. <laughs>
2: nice. Um so I guess because I became a Christian when I was a, um, a nurturing mum with little babies, my prayer time has been after breakfast, the washing's on, the children are fed, and the babies are normally asleep in my arm or beside me. And so that was the quiet time that I took with God. And um, Anthony had a really lovely super soft chair, and I would just lie there with my Bible and just absolutely relax while the babies were sleeping and just... Um, pray then. And so for me, that's still the best part of the day, when my house is quiet, and um, yeah, and I normally so, as I said, the Bible was in my hand when I had the babies, and I pray from Scripture. Hmm. So I normally read, and I pray that back. And I think that way it really gets in, and when I need it, it comes out. Um, I do take quiet times to pray. I don't like public prayer. I think um, And I I guess I pray like a ripple, because really it starts with God and then it's me. And so I'm praying outward. Mm. I pray for lots of things, as my Christian walk's got to affect other people. Mm. So, yeah.
0: So on that note, what encourages you you most about Jesus and the way he prayed, and and perhaps just that kind of inspiration that you draw from him?
2: um, So I work in eternity, you might say, so my role, I'm a hospice spiritual care worker and I help people die well and uh, live well Mm. to that point of death. And I love it, but I walk in that door with eternity, um, very aware of eternity on my shoulders when I see those patients and I see their families. So... Jesus prayed, um, I think we've already talked about it, John 10, was it? No, 17, where he's, um, he prays for those who will believe in the future. Mm-hmm. And when he prayed that, well, that's us 2,000 years later. But we, I pray for those who I'm walking into their houses now, um, very much so mm. looking at where their eternity is going to be spent. Well, that's cool. Ian, yeah.
1: any thoughts for you? Well, um, I've already mentioned about Jesus going out into the hills to pray, and that's one of my big ones, It's one I think about quite a lot. And when I was thinking about this, um, in one of the little studies that I've done, um, if you read with Mark 1, um, Jesus had a really, really busy day, and next morning he got up early and he went out to a quiet place to pray. And his disciples hunted him down, and then the people were coming out to look for him. And that was something that happened to him constantly. He'd go out to find that quiet space, um, but people would follow him. And how he handled that must have been a really, really big thing. You can't just, he could not just say, go away, go away, I'm having a quiet time. Another time, he went, he went across the lake, and he took his disciples with him to have that quiet time. Um, and, but they followed him and in, during the course of the day he taught them and then at, uh, and then he fed them. That was one of those um, miracle feedings uh, with the loaves and fishes. And at the end of the day he, put, he sent them away, he put the disciples in a boat and sent them across the lake and then he went back again into the mountains to spend that time that he had been missing so much. It had been intruded on him to, um, that he couldn't do that earlier and so he, that, at, in that night time He went and he spent that time praying again. And sometimes it's like that, isn't it? Sometimes we get interrupted. Sometimes we just can't take that time that we had planned to do it. Um, We've got to keep coming back to it and back to it and back to it. And and just as he sent the disciples away, he made that time so that he could do it. And then that was the time that he came to them walking on the water.
0: Mm, And just that constant perseverance and sticking it out, yeah. So final question, What's, uh, what's one encouragement you want to give to us about prayer? Ian.
1: I would, s- I would say don't be a hero. You've got to persist. Yeah. You need to take time to prepare yourself for prayer. You know, you know you're going to be praying in that quiet time. And you need to take that quiet time and make it quiet as much as you can. And as well as that, we need to just remember that prayer is not just a one-way conversation. God speaks to us. We speak to God. God speaks to us. That's why we often do it by reading and praying together. But also, just in our spirit, he does, he does speak to us as we ask him questions, and he does answer our prayers.
0: Mm. Nolene, what's the encouragement you
1: want to leave with us?
2: Just be real. I think of Hannah, and Eli the priest thought she was absolutely drunk mm. in her prayer. She was so grieved. And I think, just be real. Um, He's there, he, he's all around us. X says he's not far from any one of us. So he's all around us. So just tell him what you need, thank him for what you're thankful for, uh, supplication, just, yeah, be real. But he's listening.
0: Awesome. Hey, thank you both, Ian and Nolene, for just sharing some simple insights, but also your transparency, your realness, your honesty, and those practical encouragements. Thank you. <clears throat> Some, certainly not, you know, something that I think heaps of people would claim to be super awesome at. But I also want you to recognise that prayer is not necessarily a, um, a mystical state that only the super saints get into. You know, like it's actually an opportunity for everybody. Everybody has the, the capacity to communicate with God. So what we're going to do just for a few moments is do something a little bit different because sometimes I think m- modern churches reflect modern life, and that they can be noisy. There's a lot of stuff happening, a lot of activity, that sort of thing. But I think <clears throat> I think it's important to just take some time to slow down, to be still, to be silent before God, to step out of that hustle and bustle of daily life. And so what I'm going to do is we're going to just spend some time um, in the quiet. Now, you may just want to t- simply sit there and enjoy some peace and quiet time out from your regular routine, um, but you might want to take it a little bit further. You might want to maybe use this opportunity as a time for prayer uh, to drown out some of the distractions and really kind of connect with God. And as Ian and Nolene have said, you know, if you're struggling with the words, if you're not quite sure, I'm going to put some ancient screen, uh, ancient prayers up on the screen, and there's also some I'll put on the tables at the front and in the back uh, as well. If you wanted to take those or read those and use those as prayers for your own situation, you are most welcome. You might want to choose to silently read your Bible or a psalm or something for just a few minutes, but just wherever wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, I encourage you to take this time to, to, um, to pray. Now, a couple of things. You don't have to sit. You're welcome to stand if you want to. You're welcome to kneel. Uh, you don't have to bow your head or close your eyes. There's no rules around that, but just probably be respectful of other people. And so, yeah, I just encourage you to use these few minutes to to connect uh, and to slow down and to tune in to where God's at. All good. All right. I hope that was helpful for you. Just just simply to unplug from the noise and the distractions of everyday life and to tune in to God's voice. Despite her struggles, despite the silence and the emptiness that she felt, Mother Teresa persevered with prayer. She knew that it wasn't going to be easy, but she knew it was important. It It was more than important. It was essential for her to have a healthy spiritual life. And this is what she said. Prayer is not asking. Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God. At his disposition and listening to his voice in the depths of our hearts. So let's pray. God, we are grateful that we have the opportunity to connect with you through prayer. We're grateful that you stoop down, you stop, you listen. Uh, I guess you do that because you care, because your love and your mercy and your grace is unfathomably deep. And please just remind us this week that we can talk to you anytime. You're always there, you're always listening, you're always ready to talk. And we ask that we would listen too, that as Ian said, talking is, praying is a, is a two-way thing. That we'd have ears to hear what you would have to share for us. We pray this in the powerful and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, band.